Ah, and we are live! Welcome back to Takes by Fans. We got a great show for you today. As always, we are live every single day at noon Eastern. If you want to watch live, head over to takesbyfans.com slash watch. If you want to watch but not live, head over to our YouTube channel, Takes by Fans. We post all of our shows and clips of the show there on a daily basis. And if you just want to listen, we are on podcasting apps, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio. So, however you want to watch or listen, we've got you covered multiple ways. All righty, folks. Today's a big old Monday, and we now know who's going to be participating in this year's Super Bowl. The Bengals in the Rams, just like everybody predicted at the beginning of the season. Oh, man, oh, man, those games, once again, this year's playoffs are absolutely bonkers, folks, right down last second, walk-off fashion, and literally, it's been like walk-off fashion in like every single playoff game this season, so I'm grateful for it, I'm not knocking it, I'm loving the competition, I'm obviously loving the entertainment value and all of it so I've got no qualms over here it is a little you know if you do want to get a little conspiratorial now betting is more legalized than ever the NFL's partnering with all these betting sites and we're getting close energetic engaging must watch games um, I can draw some parallels there. I'm not going to point them all out, but I'm sure we all know some parallels between these two things. But, hey, you know, uh, what are we going to do? We, we can't prove it, and so far, we got to pretend like that's not happening. But, regardless, we're breaking down the AFC and NFC Championship games today on the show. So many things to talk about. I mean, now we are in the biggest... The biggest takeaway of the weekend is, uh, you know, we have to kind of start rethinking the Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes and how great he is and truly, truly uh, start giving way more credit, which I didn't even know was possible. I thought we were giving this person and this team all the credit, but I think we have to give this player and team even more credit now Tom Brady in that Patriots dynasty because we're seeing Patrick Mahomes a little flounder job he's getting to the game just like Aaron Rodgers got to you know the NFC championship game and was able to get to a couple of those Patrick Mahomes four straight AFC championship games won two of them lost two of them won only one Super Bowl so now we have to kind of recalculate how great actually is Patrick Mahomes how close is he to actually Tom Brady for the number one greatest of all time spot? I mean, and that's why we do the show every single day, folks, because we, you know, see what happens. Things change on an instant. The Chiefs were up, what, 21-3 against the Bengals, 17-3, something along those lines, and just flipped just like that, just like that. So things change in an instant, folks, and that's why we're here every single day to see, assess, and then re reassess and then see again and then say some things and then reassess and then say some things and then we're on track but we got to reassess again and that's where we are with this Chiefs quote-unquote dynasty we are in the reassessing phase with them because another time they get kind of shut out in the second half like we just saw in week 17 against this same Bengals team so tons to talk about between those two games. Um, some more coaching information. One story that probably went under the radar yesterday were, or did it break today? I don't even know when it broke, but we got a new head coach for the Raiders now. So tons to talk about today. Got to break down the NBA as well. 
So we'll get to all of that today, but let's start over in the NBA from yesterday, folks. Uh, so let's start here. Tons of games on, a couple of 1 o'clock games before the chaotic uh, championship Sunday in the NFL kicked off. So let's start here with the first game up, and it's the Lakers at the Hawks, and the Hawks get the win here, 129-121 once again. We've got a seven-game win streak here for this Hawks team, truly turning the corner, and this is the perfect right time to start being good. We want to see teams start to be good in the middle part, carrying it to the back end of the season because that truly means you are good. If you had success in the early part of the season and now are bad at the current moment, that doesn't speak to you of being a good team, a la bring it back to the NFL. The Panthers were so good the first four weeks, right? And now nobody even talks about this Panthers team because they're just so irrelevant and what they've been doing so trash but we're, we, this is not a Panthers topic well although it should be because Matt Rule needs to be fired but either way we get this Hawks team turning the corner absolutely love it Trey Young 36 points 12 assists on 54% shooting absolutely fantastic Clint Capella 15 points 9 rebounds John Collins 20 points 3 steals 11 rebounds on 76% shooting and then the back we got Bogdan Bogdanovich coming off the bench here. 10 points, 5 rebounds. And Oniko Okongwu, 16 points, 5 rebounds off the bench. So this Hawks team, they're showing their depth. They're two stars. Trey Young, Clint Capella getting it done. And then John Collins filling in as well. At the four, absolutely fantastic. And then for this Lakers team, no LeBron last night, so can't really expect them to win. But very well done to Malik Monk. 33 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists. And this was pretty much LeBron-esque last night. So once again, the key to this Lakers team, when they're all healthy, is truly going to be Malik Monk. We need to see this great performance with LeBron James in the starting lineup. Now, we know he's not going to get 33 points with LeBron James in the starting lineup, but another kind of... 20 piece a night could definitely you know make this Lakers team good because they're not really good at the current moment we get Anthony Davis back at the 5, 27 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Russell Westbrook, 20 points, 12 assists, 7 rebounds, 4 turnovers. Still a little bit too much from the man, but, you know, that's Russell Westbrook. Take it how it is, and that's what he is. Uh, Carmelo off the bench with a solid 11 points, but still just coming up a little bit short here for this Lakers team. They got to do something at the trade deadline. There's options available, especially on that Kings team, and we'll see if the Kings decide to let, let anybody go at the trade deadline. But the Hawks get the win, 129 to 121. Alrighty, next game up here is the Clippers at the Hornets, and man, oh man, another good win for this Clippers team, 115-90 over the Hornets, this is a good, solid win, and a reason why we cannot bet this Hornets team so up and down, but this Clippers team, we called them kind of pups, comparing them to the Heat big dogs that they've got. They went toe-to-toe -to -toe with the Heat the other night, and now here they are winning games. Is this two straight wins for this Clippers team? Let's uh, quickly refresh the standings right here. 
Clippers, what do we got? What do we got? Uh, Clippers, one game winning streak, 5-5, five and five, but they are at 500 now, ready to kind of take that next step of getting into the top six of the Western Conference, currently sitting at the seventh seed. They're about three and a half games back from the sixth seed, so still some work to be done by this pup phase, but I'm going to kind of, you know, graduate the young pups here of this Clipper squad. Once again, no Paul George, and they are getting it done, folks. And they're getting it done really off their bench. But let's, uh, you know, shout out some of these starters here. Reggie Jackson, 19 points, 5 assists. And Marcus Moore, 16 big old points. Zubak at the 5, 7 points. But those 10 rebounds, we absolutely love it. And then here we go. Off the bench, Luke Kennard, 14 points, 10 rebounds. Wonderful. Justice Winslow, 13 points, 8 rebounds. And Brandon Boston Jr., 19 points. Led the team in scoring with uh, Reggie Jackson, both scoring 19 points Boston Jr. was a plus 31 on the floor in 21 minutes absolutely fantastic here so congratulations to the Clippers and I had to do a little research here I don't know the key stages of a dog's life cycle so I had to go to barkingmad.com uh, it's a UK website and if there's anybody that knows dogs folks it's the British okay so according to barkingmad.uk.com after the puppy phase which is kind of where we started with this Clippers team we go to the adolescent stage the adolescent dog stage that's where the clippers are they're not at the adulthood dog stage where the um grown dog phase like the heat are but they are in the adolescent dog stage at the current moment we're bumping them up well done to this clippers team of graduating here to the next step of a dog's life gotta love it and then for this Hornets team, I mean, just unexcited. You can't lose to this Clippers team. And this is no disrespect to the Clippers, you know, but they don't got that superstar. And this is why it's impressive that they're winning games, being competitive without Paul George and all that. But this is unacceptable for the Hornets. They only put up 90 points at home when you're, you know, putting up 150 here, 130 here, 120 here. Uh, you can't do this. So this is why there's no bettability on this Hornets team at the current moment. It is truly unfortunate, folks. Uh, but LaMelo Ball, he had 23 points, 10 assists, 6 rebounds. That's all great, but they're not winning. Terry Rozier, 10 points on 28% shooting, living and dying, you know, by that high kind of field goal percentage. That's how you put up 150 points in a game. Uh, so Terry Rogier letting us down. Mason Plumley doing his thing. 10 points, 10 rebounds. This is, you know, his game. And Miles Bridges, 18 points, but on 31% shooting on 19 shots. Off the bench, just P.J. Washington, 10 points. No Kelly Oubre Jr. last night. So that's, you know, part of their scoring production. And then we get James Boo Knight coming off the bench of 10 points as well. So, just a little too inconsistent here. So up and down in this Hornets team. They're going to have to do something if they want to try to make the playoffs. Where do we got them currently um, in the playoffs? They are currently the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference. They're about three games back from being in the top six of um, truly getting a playoff spot. Right now they're in the playing tournament. Seven to ten in that playing tournament that we just saw last season. So the Hornets, they have some work to do, and, uh, you know, it's a little unfortunate that they've just been so inconsistent offensively as of recently. So, well done for the Clippers, win 115-290.
All right, next game up here, we get the Blazers at the Bulls, and the Blazers letting us down a little bit here. Uh, but well done for this Bulls team. You know, really only have kind of the big three now. No more Lonzo Ball, and they're still getting it done. They win 130 to 116 over the Blazers. Let's start here with the Bulls. DeMar DeRozan, 23 points, 10 assists. Vucevic, 24 points, 14 rebounds. Zach Levine, 20 points, 4 assists. And we still have Kobe White coming off the bench. And he's still getting it done, folks. 18 points, 6 assists. Very well done. And we still got Ayo uh, Dasumu coming or at the starting one here, which, you know, this is where we really want Kobe White. But Kobe White's still playing 30 minutes off the bench. So, you know, it's fine. I guess it's fine. Uh, but. Ayo at the 1, 7 points, 11 assists. He shot 66%. He only shot 3 times. So, I guess that's what they're looking for. And that's fine, you know. Um, you know, you've got DeMar DeRozan, Zach Levine, Vucevic. We don't want the 1, you know, being the main offensive weapon. That was kind of our little bit of knock on Lonzo Ball. Uh, just taking too many shots when you've got all these other great talent. Be that great passer. Be the facilitator. Uh, that's what we saw with Kobe White when he was filling in. He was getting the assists while being highly efficient. And Kobe White's still decently efficient, 41%. It's solid work out there. So, uh, you know, kind of the main, the big three for the Bulls getting it done with Kobe White coming off the bench. I think it's acceptable here. And then for this Blazers team, losing Anthony Simons, 21 points, 6 assists. CJ McCollum, 29 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. Nurchish at the 5, 11 points, only 4 rebounds last night. And then Norman Powell with another 22-point performance. Trent Watford coming off the bench with 10 points, helping out the offense a little bit. Just came up a little bit short here, lost by 14. But overall, the Blazers still there. You know, this Bulls team, they are good now. So we can start to track this Bulls team, the be their betability is truly rising here so Bulls get the win 130 to 116 all right, then we get the Cavs at the Pistons in a bad loss here for this Cavs team. They lose by 10, 115 to 105 to the Pistons. So for the Cavs last night, Darius Garland still at the 1, 24 points, led the team in scoring, 7 assists, led the team in assists, fantastic. Jared Allen down low, 15 points, 9 rebounds. Evan Mobley still getting it done. You got to love it, 18 points, 9 rebounds. Off the bench, C.D. Osmond, our man, 13 points. Kevin Love struggling a little bit, 8.7 rebounds. But Man, oh man, for this Pistons team, Sadiq Bay finally getting it going. Is this Sadiq's best game of his of the season so far? And he's supposed to be kind of, you know, the number one option out here since nowhere Jeremy Grant. But Sadiq Bay, 31 points on 55% shooting. Cade Cunningham, triple-double for the man. Tw uh, 19 points, 10 assists, 10 rebounds. Frank Jackson off the bench with another 19 points. Trey Lyles off the bench with another 15 points. So, well done for this Pistons team. Sadiq Bay, um, you know, I think this is a little bit of an outlier game for the Pistons. We're not buying into the Pistons off this one win. Uh, but, you know, a couple of uh, disappointments last night with this Cavs team losing this Blazers team losing um, by as much as they did, kind of letting us down a little bit. So we'll take, you know, this these games with a little bit of grain of salt. We're not going to, you know, start knocking the Cavs and start losing our buyability into them. Same thing with the Blazers. You know, these things happen. You play 82 games in a season. You're going to, you know, let us down a little bit here and there. Uh, but we don't want to see the consistent letdown here. So Cavs, Blazers truly on our radar of not letting us down in the next game.
Um, all right, speaking of a team that's not letting us down, man, oh, man, the Magic, what a win last night. They win over the Mavericks, 110 to 108. Well done, the Magic, their bet ability, folks. We've been saying it's been rising big time here. Cole Anthony, 16 points, 6 assists. Franz Wagner, 18 points. Love it. Wendell Carter Jr. with a solid 14 points, 14 rebounds. And then this bench, folks. Moritz Wagner. Yes, yes. Start playing the Wagner twins more. We love it. Moritz Wagner coming off the bench. 14 points in only 14 minutes. Yes, sir. Chumo Kiki, 19 points, 4 assists, 5 rebounds. And then we get Gary Harris with 10 points as well. So once again, it's everybody for this Magic team stepping in, getting it done, contributing to the wins, contributing to the comp uh, competitiveness of games here in this Magic team. Bet ability is absolutely rising. And then for this Mavericks team, really kind of unfortunate loss here. No Poor Zingas last night, so Dwight Powell fills in at the five, only eight points, only took two shots, definitely not poor Zingas-esque. Luka Doncic, 34 points, 11 assists, 12 rebounds, classic game by Luka Doncic in the bench here for the Mavericks. They got it done as well, just unfortunately came up two points short last night. Marquise Chris with 14 points, four steals off the bench, Josh Green 11 points on 66% shooting, and Reggie Bullock with a solid 10 points and six rebounds. But they come up just short well done for the magic to win at home 110 to 108 all right last three games here and the next one up is the nuggets at the uh nuggets at the bucks here and this nuggets team their bet ability is truly trending up what an absolute last month by this nuggets team we got them eight and two in their last ten five game winning streak. Wow, oh wow, with just Jokic out there, and then they go on the road to the Bucks and beat them when they were basically at full strength last night. So what an absolute huge, huge dominant win for this Nuggets team. And here we are in kind of you know the back, you know uh, yeah, starting to kind of get to the back end of the season. We're kind of at the midpoint slash trending towards the back end of the season here and we're starting to get some new teams emerging as good teams and we start and we're starting to have to take them seriously so the nuggets bet ability buy ability truly rising this bulls team bet ability buy ability truly rising back up here so we've got some new teams we could bet on which is absolutely great here folks more opportunity at finding value more opportunity of winning money we're all here for it absolutely so well done for the Nuggets. Absolute dominant performance, winning by 36 points on the road, winning 136 to 100. So who got it done for this Nuggets team and who's helping out Jokic? So here we go. Jokic only 18 points last night, 15 assists, 9 rebounds. Aaron Gordon exactly where we want to see him. 24.7 rebounds on 4 of 8 from the 3, 58% shooting on 17 shots. Exactly what we've been calling for by this man we saw it last night and we're we've been kind of seeing it over this kind of five game win streak here so Aaron Gordon being that big offensive presence that this Nuggets team desperately needs bad ability is here now love it who else was getting it done Monte Morris 18 points seven assists at the one Will Barton 15 points five assists three rebounds the bench 
of Bones Highland, 13 points. Brent Forbes, Brent Forbes, such an, a slept-on piece of this Nuggets team, 14 points last night on 60% shooting. Jamichael Green, 9 points. Marcus Howard, 9 points. And they put up 136 points while Jeff Green in the starting lineup shot 14%. So that's at, while Austin Rivers coming off the bench shoots 37%. So scoreability is there. The bet ability is there. We're starting to kind of get other offensive pieces here for this Nuggets team consistently what we've been waiting for for this Nuggets team. And here they are finally arriving. Well done to the Nuggets. And then for this Bucks team, man, oh, man, a little bit of a disappointing loss last night, especially in blowout fashion. And now we have to kind of retool our thinking on this Bucks team. They have not been good over their last 10 games. We've got them at 5-5, five and five, defending champions, 5-5 five and five in your last 10, going downhill, now the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. So we got to pump the brakes, betting the Bucks and all this. Giannis, 29 points, 9 rebounds. Bobby Portis, 11 points, 5 rebounds. Grayson Allen, 11 points on 40% shooting. And Drew Holiday with 14 points, 8 assists. So everybody in the starting lineup was decent last night. Chris Middleton, he only took 8 shots, so that explains his 9 points. But the bench here of the Bucks is just not good anymore. And I don't understand what is happening. Wesley Matthews, 2 points on 3 shots. He only scored from the free throw line. Pat Conifton only took 2 shots. He hit 100% for his 5 points. But we need other players here to start scoring the basketball. You can't just rely on Giannis. We need Grayson Allen to return to a huge... Huge, great offensive piece that we saw in the first, you know, three weeks of the season. So, Bucks, man, they're going through a stretch here. Got to avoid betting them. But well done for the Nuggets of getting the win, 136 to 100. Then we get the Jazz at the Timberwolves here. And this Jazz team, what do we say about them? They need the leadership. No Donovan Mitchell, no Rudy Gobert again last night. And they still flounder big time. Well done to the Timberwolves getting the win, 126-106. to 106. Uh, Joe Ingles is probably out for the season. I believe he did tear his ACL. Not good. So this Jazz team now kind of losing their depth. Their stars, their leaders are not playing as of recently. So this Jazz team won. Once again, going downhill here where we were big on them in the first four weeks. This league is changing now. We're truly seeing who are the contenders and who are the pretenders in this Jazz team. They better hope they get Donovan Mitchell or Rudy, Go uh, Rudy Gobert back or they're going to be truly pretenders out here. So Joe Ingles, no contribution last night in 12 minutes, and then he gets injured. Truly unfortunate. Hassan Whiteside at the five. Not that offensive powered. Only seven points, but he did have 12 rebounds. We give him credit. Mike Connolly. You know, doing his thing. Twenty-two points, five assists. Uh, five assists. Bohan Bogdanovich, twenty-three points on sixty-three percent shooting. That's very well done. Jordan Clarkson somehow scraping together seventeen points off the bench here. But that's it. They don't have the leadership. You cannot bet on this Jazz team when Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell are both out. There's no leadership. They're just an ID list. There's a bunch of scorers out here. There's a bunch of shooters on this team. But without that leadership, it does not result in the wins. We see this. 
All right, now let's talk about this Timberwolves team. The big three last night. Anthony Edwards, only 15 points on 37% shooting, 2 of 9 from the three, truly letting us down. But Carl Anthony Towns picking up the slack a little bit. 31 points, 10 assists, 11 rebounds, triple-double for the man. And then no... D'Angelo Russell, so missing a part of the big three. We get Jordan McLaughlin at the one, 12 points, four steals, four assists. Malik Beasley at the two, eight points on 25% shooting, so them letting us down, but the bench came up and got it done and kind of saved the game here. Jaden McDaniels, 22 points off the bench. Jalen Noel, 10 points, five assists, and Teron Prince, 10 points, seven rebounds to make up for the lackluster kind of offensive production that the starters gave. So, well done for the Timberwolves finding other ways to win and huge uh, huge green flag heading into the back end of the season here for the Timberwolves. And then the last game of the night here, the Spurs at the Suns. Suns get the win again. Man, oh man, gotta give respect to the Suns team. Number one seed in the Western Conference. Number one seed overall. Currently at 40-9. and nine. Last 10. They've won them all. 10 games winning streak for the Suns team probably the most complete team overall and I know I've said this uh, the Heat team uh, the Miami Heat are the best team in the league I think I got a little over carried away by the dog narrative but this Suns team got to give them credit probably the best team in the league right here and the way that Chris Paul is playing folks we thought he was good last season he's blowing himself out of the water this season compared to last season so big time shout out to Chris Paul he got a taste of the championship they ripped it right out of his mouth and now that's all he's been thinking about here this offseason getting back and actually winning that ring Chris Paul 20 points 19 assists 20 points 19 assists 8 rebounds do y'all comprehend those numbers magnificent Devin Booker, 28 points, led the team in scoring. Biz McBiombo back at the five with no DeAndre Ayton. 10 points, 11 rebounds, well done. Still able to kind of take some of their bench pieces, put them in the starting lineup when they need to, and still can kind of compete at 100% capacity. You got to respect it, and you got to absolutely love it. McCall Bridges, 26 big old points, eight rebounds, and Cameron Johnson, a solid 11 points. With uh, Ish Wainwright coming off the bench of 10 points on 50% shooting, we will uh, absolutely take that as well. And then for the Spurs, they kept it close, only lost by five last night. No DeJounte Murray unfortunate and they still were able to be competitive shout out to Doug McDermott 24 points Keldon Johnson 16 points eight rebounds and then Lonnie Walker coming off the bench with 22 points making it a competitive game but the Suns team sticking to it getting it done winning at home 10 straight wins for them they get the win 115 110 Alrighty, that is all the NBA from last night. Let's see what we've got on tap to tonight in the NBA. Couple of games on. What do we got? Seven games on tonight. To, so let's see where that value is and if we can make a little bit of money. No Monday night football. We haven't had Monday night football in a while. No football all this week besides the Pro Bowl. Uh, so, you know, we, we're going to have to make our money a little bit of a different way from here on out. So, but uh, we're up for the task. We can make money in the NBA. I think it's a little bit easier betting the NBA than betting the NFL. 
So let's see if there's any great value tonight. So here we go. First game up here. We got the Grizzlies at the 76ers. And look at this respect here by Vegas. You got to love it. Grizzlies minus four. 76ers plus four. Interesting. So everybody's good to go for the Grizzlies. Besides Dylan Brooks, he is still out. And for the 76ers, oh, and this is exactly why they're minus four. Joel Embiid is out for rest. He's been putting the team on his back and he just needs to take a night off no Ben Simmons obviously no Shake Milton so man oh man who's gonna be scoring the ball here for the 76ers the 76ers team we've been talking about teams that have kind of you know uh turning into pretenders this midway point of the season the 76ers they're not pretenders but they weren't as dominant as they were in the first part of the season here so Grizzlies minus four 76ers with no Joel Embiid of course of course we're swallowing four points here for the Grizzlies. It should be Grizzlies minus 10. Um, so, swallowing four points there. Got no problem with this. The, Joel Embiid is their only offensive consistent production out here. We can't even trust their guards anymore. Can't even trust Seth Curry anymore. Tyrese Maxey, he could still get it done. But who is he going to be assisting to? Because... Nobody else can score. So, man, oh, man. Grizzlies minus four, I think, is fantastic value. Yes, sir. All right, next game up here, we got the Pelicans at the Cavs. Cavs on the back-to-back. -back. We're going to stay away from this one. Then we get the Clippers at the Pacers. Clippers on the back-to-back. -back. Clippers plus two and a half on the back-to-back. -back. We got to stay away from this one. Then we get the Kings the Kings at the Knicks. Kings plus six and a half. Knicks minus six and a half. This Kings team, folks, a little, you know, big surprising uh, competitive game, their last game facing the 76ers, only lost by two, and you know, like we broke it down yesterday, they were really leading the entire game until the, the late third quarter where the 76ers kind of, you know, got back in charge. But overall, this Knicks team, there's no viability here. So getting six and a half here with the Kings is potentially good value. Uh, let's see who's all in and out here. De'Aaron Fox is a game-time decision, so we'll see if he's back. And Terrence Davis is out. For the Knicks, we still get Derrick Rose out, and Nerlens Knowles a game-time decision. I do like the Knicks plus six and a half here. Uh, or the Kings plus six and a half here, but this seems like a game where the Knicks just dominate in because the Kings aren't that great overall. The Knicks aren't great either, or even good. We don't like this Knicks team at all. But I just think this is going to be a sneaky game where the Knicks somehow Evan Fournier goes off because it's a bad team overall. So I do like the Kings plus six and a half. I just don't like the potential storyline that's going to be attached to this game at the end of the day. So no need to push it here. We'll stay away from it. All right, then we get the Heat at the Celtics, and what is up with this one? Heat plus four, Celtics minus four. Whenever the Heat are getting points, you bet your house on that game. Do you understand me? Heat plus four, Celtics minus four. Let's see who's all in and out here for the Heat. We get Kyle Lowry still out. Jimmy Butler being a game-time decision. Now, that is interesting. For the Celtics, everybody is good to go. Let's quickly see if we got any more information here on Jimmy Butler. Let's go to our favorite Twitter account here, NBA Fantasy Labs. We want Jimmy Butler trending toward playing. We know this Heat team is a bunch of dogs. Don't get me wrong. And they can all get it done even without Jimmy Butler. But, uh, you know, if we're taking four points here, I would like, you know, Jimmy Butler in the action. 
Uh, we get any information on Jimmy Butler here. Does not seem so. Unfortunate. So, <clears throat> we're going to be taking it, folks. We're going to take the Heat plus four. Jimmy Butler in. Obviously, great. That'd be fantastic value getting four there. Uh, with the spread, kind of seems like Vegas is kind of leaning toward him not playing. But either way, the dogs will get it done. And the Celtics team, they've only got the two good players. That's it. So, we'll take four here for this Heat team. All right, then we get the Raptors at the Hawks. Hawks on the back-to-back. -back. We're staying away from this one. Warriors at the Rockets. Warriors minus 10.5. Rockets plus 10.5. Rockets are absolute garbage. A garbage team, absolutely. And for the Warriors, Draymond Green is still out. For the Rockets, Kevin Porter is a game-time decision. So I, we hate swallowing all these points in the NBA. But when they're facing the Rockets, we're going to have to swallow these points here. Warriors minus 10.5. We're going to swallow that value. And then the last game of the night, the Blazers at the Thunder. Blazers on the back-to-back. -back. We'll stay away from this one. So we've got a solid three-teamer here, folks. Grizzlies minus four. Heat plus four. And the Warriors minus ten and a half. Three solid picks for tonight. Cashing in on this great value. Absolutely love all those picks. Alrighty, that is all the NBA for today. So now let's shift gears to the NFL. And before we start breaking down the AFC and NFC championships games that we all just witnessed, let's quickly touch on some stories here, coaching news and all of that. So let's start with the first one here. A new team has a new head coach here, folks. The Raiders have found their guy and they are hiring Patriots offensive coordinator Josh McDaniels. Wow, wow. Josh McDaniels, we saw him kind of accept the Colts job a few years ago with Andrew Luck, and then he kind of went back on it and was like, no, 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 I actually don't want this job anymore. And I was kind of thinking it was, you know, Josh McDaniels heard about Carson, or not Carson Wentz, um, Andrew Luck potentially retiring. That was when Andrew Luck was coming back uh, kind of from the injury, and Josh McDaniels probably got caught wind that he wasn't going to have Andrew Luck, and he's like, well, I'm not, I'm not going to the Colts if I don't have Andrew Luck. What are you, crazy? So, Josh McDaniels giving another team a chance here going to the Las Vegas Raiders with Derek Carr. So, let's head it to our Got the Right Guy for 2022 board. We've been filling in all the new head coaching hires here in the NFL saying if they're good decisions bad decisions so here we go for the Raiders they got Josh McDaniels and we love this hire absolutely offensive minded guy so you got our endorsement right off the rip but then you've got a smart quarterback to work with with a big arm who's really solid folks Derek Carr stats are very very good let's get them up I mean we're talking about 65 plus percent completion percentage almost every single game every single year the accuracy is there folks he's career career completion percentage of 65 percent just had 68 percent this season with 4,800 yards 
So, Josh McDaniels, offensive mind, brilliant offensive mind. Now, it's a little interesting that he chooses Derek Carr over Mac Jones. I kind of liked what I saw from Mac Jones as a whole this season. This is a rookie year, and this was his year one. I thought that was great production overall. Um, but we know Josh McDaniels obviously knows offense. I mean, we got to give him credit for what he did with Tom Brady and the lackluster weapons supporting Tom Brady throughout really his entire career here when he's calling the offense for the Patriots. So, you know, the fact that he's kind of ditching Mac Jones, maybe we should kind of take this as a sign that Mac Jones isn't going to be that good. So, Mac Jones is obviously going to be under a microscope from us, from the entire media during this offseason. And uh, I, I think we have to use this information that Josh McDaniels is going to the Raiders with all that kind of chaos. And now he's going to have to be in charge of that, regardless of who's the who of who the head coach is. The kind of, you know, uh, sin energy that Vegas kind of gives off. It's always going to be there. So we'll see if Josh McDaniels is up to the task of handling and being the guy and kind of being, you know, the parent of a team, making sure everybody is right, everybody is focused, nobody's drinking and driving when they're playing football. So Josh McDaniels has a tall task ahead of him, but he's obviously got, you know, a great offense to work with. He's got Darren Waller. So we absolutely believe this is the right choice here. Raiders got it right. And we'll see, you know, what the Patriots can do. Is the Patriots dynasty truly going to end? And, you know, it can Bill Belichick reorganize and rehire and try to be as good as they once were with Tom Brady. So tons of storylines, tons of narratives to talk about in the offseason. Next season, I know this season isn't over, but next season is going to be great as well. A uh, ton of things to talk about and truly dissect. And once again, you know, reassess narratives once again with Patrick Mahomes have to reassess how actually great he is and if this Chiefs team is actually a dynasty or not we'll see if Bill Belichick is actually a good coach himself or if he's just a classic defensive guy with the big ego that had the greatest quarterback of all time next to him so we'll see how all that plays out next season but for the Raiders Josh McDaniels offensive minded for our board here and we love He's got the guy. He's got the quarterback. He's got the quarterback, Derek Carr. So, should work out for him, and we'll see how actually good Josh McDaniels is now that he's going to be the guy for the Raiders. Alrighty, what else do we got here? Coaching news. So now we still have uh, a couple more vacancies here. Uh, what do we got? Four vacancies. The Saints, the Dolphins, the Jags, the Texans, and the Vikings. So five more vacancies to be had. And Doug Peterson is still not hired yet. What the hell is going on? Um, but next up here, revisiting on the Giants coach hire of Brian Dable. And we get a couple of quotes here that I want to get into. But this is why we love Brian Dable as the new head coach for the Giants. He says, quote here, Giants coach Brian Dable embraces developing Daniel Jones. We're trying to, quote, give him some stability. Yes, yes. Everything that we want to hear from the Giants team, management, organization, the coach, we're hearing it all. They believe in Daniel Jones. They know they've done him wrong in the past, and they just want to help him out. He's the guy. Give him some stability here, and this Giants team could have potentially a quick turnaround. Once again, 
the foundation. You don't need to build a foundation. We don't want to hear anything like that when you're hiring a head coach. So shout out to the Raiders of going with offensive, uh, an offensive-minded guy and not trying to lay the foundation so potentially we can win in two or three years. You can turn around a franchise with the coach and the quarterback. They kind of both need to be right, but it is possible. We just saw the Bengals. They're going to the Super Bowl. They went into Arrowhead and won the game and only allowed the Chiefs three points in the second half again, again. So, Giants, potentially, if you're a Giants fan, I would get excited. You could potentially be the next Bengals team. But let's quickly go here. We got uh, Brian Dable introductory press conference. We get a couple of quotes here that I do want to kind of touch upon to see, you know, once again, can, you know, what are we getting from this team? Should we be gushing over this team even more than what we already are? Should we be pulling back on our gushing over this team? So let's quickly take a look at what Brian Dable is saying. So here we go. In his introductory press conference Monday, Dable said supporting the 24-year-old signal caller is priority number one. Love it. Says, quote, there's a lot of things to like about Daniel, and we'll just take it one day at a time. We'll work with him. We'll help him get better. We'll help him be a better leader. We'll help him be everything. And that's definitely something that you have to focus on Daniel Jones. We have not really laid any foundation on Daniel Jones over the last three seasons with them with all the turmoil that's been going on about not getting the coach right and not getting the offensive coordinator right we know he has a decent arm this is this is all we know about Daniel Jones he has a decent arm he can run pretty solidly but that's it we don't know anything about leadership because there was no leadership at the head coaching position or anywhere in that organization so Daniel Jones you know he never took it upon himself to be the one true leader so I guess you know we can kind of you know take that in a little bit of information on Daniel Jones uh, but you know they've never been in competitive games where we need to see his leadership he's there they've never been in competitive games where we can see if Daniel Jones can make the big play the, the right throw he can make the right read and all that so we just kind of know he can be potentially good we just don't know if Daniel Jones hasn't been good because the organization or Daniel Jones himself so the fact that they're immediately trying to help him be a better leader we're gonna know right kind of early in kind of this offseason in training camp once we see him out on the field if he's going to kind of walk around I mean when we watch Josh Allen when we watch Joe Burrow we know the team loves them and you know they're always on the sideline you know revving the guys up knowing that they can do it speaking you know uh, you know speaking out the kind of you know hey we can do this we can get it done let's keep our heads up on all that we've never seen that from Daniel Jones so we'll see if he can actually do it or if it was just the Giants kind of holding him back so love hearing that by Brian Dable that you know we're gonna you know, make him a better leader. Got to have that leadership position at the quarterback position. Absolutely. Alrighty, let's uh, continue here with the quote. We'll help him be everything. That's our job as a coaching staff and as an organization. It takes everybody. It's not just me. It's the rest of the coaches on our staff. It's the scouts. It's the support staff. It's the ownership group. It takes a lot to raise a quarterback, if you will. He's been around the block. 
these last three years with some different pieces. We're trying to give him some stability and just take it from there. So absolutely love that. Absolutely love the stability. He's had no stability his entire career here with the Giants. So love that that's on Brian Dable's mind at the forefront here. All right, what else do we get here? Let's read this uh, next lead up to the quote. Dable was a hot coaching candidate due largely to his work with Bill's Josh Allen, who developed into an MVP candidate under the former Bill or Buffalo Bills offensive coordinator. The thread will undoubtedly lead to comparisons between the offense the Bills employed and the system Dable brings to New York. Yes, absolutely. Uh, but the new coach dismissed comparing Allen to Jones. Oh, wow. Dismissed it. Wow. Why? Why? What do you say here? He says, quote, we're going to take it. Day by day, we're not going to make any predictions, and I wouldn't do that to Daniel or really any player. I don't think that's fair to compare him to another guy that I was working with. He's himself. We're going to find out what he does well. We're going to try to implement a system that suits him, and then it's our job to bring pieces in that help him to be the best version of himself and the best quarterback for us. He's got the right mindset. He's got good size. So, yeah, that's definitely the biggest comparison. Daniel Jones to Josh Allen, their size is basically the same. Daniel Jones, like one inch shorter, and what do we say, like 13 to 16 pounds lighter than Josh Allen? But once again, he, you know, Brian Dable, the perfect thing, not putting any pressure um, on Daniel Jones, not kind of coming in and be like, oh, I'm going to have him, you know, as good as Josh Allen. So now that jo now Daniel Jones, hearing that, has to go up and live up to that. So another huge green flag on Brian Dable, truly taking things slow, not making any predictions about the team, the offense, Daniel Jones, not putting any unwarranted pressure on Daniel Jones here. Fantastic. This is all green flags, Giants. You should be absolutely jumping for joy hearing all these words coming out of Dable's mouth. This is absolutely what y'all should want to be hearing right now. And then we get one more quote here. Let's read the last lead up here quickly. The 46-year-old first-time head coach said the key would be building an offense around what Jones and the other Giants playmakers do best. That starts with finding out what the quarterback is comfortable in, says, quote, one of the things that I asked him to do, and I said, you can give this to me at any time. He was one of the players that called me after it was announced among some other guys. I said, hey, Give me some things that you really like in your last three years or if you did at Duke. And that's where it's going to start is some foundational pieces that he feels comfortable with. I think that is going to be a day-to-day -day process. I'm not going to put any expectations on him. I know he wants to do well. He's got the right mindset. He's dedicated. He's a hard worker, and I'm looking forward to working with him. Another great green flag right there, folks. Hey, Daniel, tell me what you like to run. What do you think you're good at? You've been here for three years. What did they have you do? that you were loving that every time it play they called the play you kind of smiled because you're like yeah this is this is my time I can't wait to throw this ball I know where to go with the ball I love this play I know this play so fantastic by Brian Dable and why it's such a big thing folks let's go back to Adam Gase the quarterback guru the quarterback whisperer and I folks that's why that's honestly why I started this show because of Adam Gase because the entire national media was gushing and sucking at 
Adam Gase his entire career, and then he got the job, and we all realized this man is an absolute fraud. Why was this man in the league? Because he played with Peyton Manning. He coached Peyton Manning, so that makes him good. What are you, crazy? That's why I started the show. That's when I officially lost all my trust into national sports media when y'all told me Adam Gase was good. That, that was the last straw for me, and here we are two, uh, two years into takes by fans, and we are taking off, folks. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So, Adam Gase, folks, he never came in and asked Ryan Tannehill or anybody, hey, what do you like to do? Adam Gase was like, this is the offense, and this is how it's going to be. If you can't run it, well, then you're trash, and you're the reason why we're going to be losing. I'm not going to change the offense. I'm not going to change the offense. That's, that's what he was saying. I'm not changing the offense. You adapt to the offense, or we all lose. <laughs> that's, that's literally what he was doing, folks. You adapt to the offense, or we all lose. It's your job. Hey, that's what he would be saying. Like that's so. Cr that's what I'm talking about. Leadership. What leader does that? Hey, here's the plan. If y'all can't do it, we all lose. I don't care. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll take a little bit of heat, but I'm gonna. I'll deflect it onto y'all. I'm the one speaking at the end of the game. I'll be like, yeah, it's, it, it's the quarterback not getting it done. I've got the plan. This is the perfect plan. I did it with Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning got it done. Why can't y'all get it done? Why can't y'all bums get it done? Why? Well, well, I guess we're all losing. Well, and here we are. Oh, another game losing. I try. He goes to the media. I, I gave him the plan. I gave him the plan to succeed. They're not doing it. I don't know what you want from me. Always head down. I gave him the plan. I gave him the plan. The plan was perfect. It worked with Peyton Manning. Y'all weren't saying any of this when I was with Peyton Manning. Here I am with Ryan Tannehill not getting it done. Not on me. Not on, I'm not out there doing the plays. I call the plays and they're all great. Do you see these plays? They're fantastic. But they're not executing them. It's them on the field. What kind of leader, what kind of head coach is that? So Brian Dable being like, yo, Daniel, what do you like? Oh, you like that? Absolutely. We'll build that. I'll get you pieces to make it even better. You like that? Yeah, you do. So please, folks, head coach is so gosh dang important. And we're going to be talking about Sean McVay when we break down that Rams game. So. Absolutely fantastic here by Brian Dable. Absolute home run hitter here. Do we have to uh, update our board here for the Giants? What do we got written down? Brian Dable, right choice, right choice, smart offensive mind, has success with Josh Allen. Daniel, similar, but I also want to put up this as well. Um, uh, letting Daniel Jones have input. Gotta love it. Once again, why we love, you know, um, or why the uh, why the Bucks won the Super Bowl last season because the input from everybody Brian Dable getting immediate day one he's been there for like a day he's been there a couple of hours hey Daniel Jones tell me what you like already getting that input gotta absolutely love it alrighty what else do we get up here next up here and okay. Rich Bisaccia, folks. The Jaguars are interviewing former Raiders interim head coach Rich Bisaccia. Now, we liked Rich Bisaccia for the Raiders job and really the Raiders job by itself. We don't think Rich Bisaccia is some great head coach that needs to be on a team here. What made you know Rich Bisaccia kind of appealing to the Raiders job is because he was already there this season. So he went through the struggles with the team. They've Built, they bonded, they kind of came together through the ups and the downs and the head coach getting fired and the players going wild. They had that kind of camaraderie with Rich Basaccia. So that's why you may 
should have probably kept him for one more year to truly see can he, you know, build upon that? Can they all truly buy in? But now him going to the Jaguars, they don't have that experience. They don't have that camaraderie. Rich Bisacci is just another guy to them. So I wouldn't really kind of suggest Rich Bisacci for the head coach of the Jaguars. Um, you know, it was just kind of something special because of the un characteristic situations that happened that unfolded this season in Las Vegas. So I like Rich Bisacci. It seems like a great guy, but I just don't know if he's head coaching material at the current moment for another team besides the Raiders. And we just saw the Raiders get Josh McDaniels. So um, I, I think that'd be a little bit of a mistake there. I would get somebody kind of experienced for Trevor Lawrence. I mean, Doug Peterson makes the most sense for a lot of these teams because they've got young, potentially really good quarterbacks with the Saints. Trevor Simeon, we saw some nice glimpses for him. So potential Doug Peterson working with Trevor Simeon could make it work. Doug Peterson with Tua, I would absolutely love it. Doug Peterson with Trevor Lawrence for the Jaguars. Absolutely. We've seen some great things from Trevor Lawrence in college in a little bit this season. Doug Peterson able to work with that. The Texans, potentially Davis Mills, gave us some nice glimpses here this season with Doug Peterson. Could truly elevate him. And then the Vikings, you've got Kirk Cousins probably moving off of him. Um, so maybe Doug Peterson not for the Vikings job, but really Doug Peterson should be at the top of the list here for really all the other teams still needing a head coach here so Rich Bisaccia is going to get an interview and we'll see if the Jaguars probably make a little bit of a not great decision overall Alrighty, but then we're hearing about this. Jim Harbaugh seems to be coming back to the NFL, folks. Seems to officially be leaving Michigan here and potentially going to the Vikings, which seems kind of weird. And I would kind of think that Jim Harbaugh would keep Kirk Cousins, and I don't know about all that. So we'll see what Jim Harbaugh decides to do, but this is what we get. John Harbaugh, this is from Jeremy Fowler, uh, verified ESPN on Twitter, says, quote, Jim Harbaugh conveyed legitimate interest in the Vikings head coaching job during his interview with the team. With Minnesota coming away, feeling Harbaugh is ready for a return to the NFL. As of now, he's still considered in the mix for that job. So that's really all we've heard about John Har Jim Harbaugh is the Vikings job. Hasn't Haven't really heard about him uh, interviewing on any other job or expressing big interest into any other job. So... Uh, seems like he may be going to the Vikings, and I, I would kind of suspect, I would kind of feel that Jim Harbaugh would keep Kirk Cousins at the quarterback position, and I don't know about that. Doesn't seem like it results into anything big, folks. Our knock on Kirk Cousins: stats are great, wins are lacking. Wins are lacking, especially with all that great talent. You can't be having lacking wins like that. <clears throat> And I mean, like, you can't say, "Well, oh, it will get better. They'll finally get it figured out." I mean, look at the Bengals with Andy Dalton. Joe Burrow comes in two years, getting to the Super Bowl, bringing this Bengals team to the Super Bowl. So you can have great talent. Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, never making it to past the first round of the playoffs. New Bengals, Jamar Chase, Joe Burrow, they make it to the Super Bowl. So, you know, you, just because you're a good player doesn't mean that you can win games. Stats and wins are two different things here. And uh, this. Vikings team, they love stats. They don't love wins, so that's unfortunate. So, Jim Harbaugh seeming to go to the Vikings, and I don't know if that's the right choice, but we'll see what he does. 
All right, and then talking about this, uh, the Saints here, once again, still looking for a head coach here. And they're they're uh, going in a lot on defensive-minded coaches, which I don't love. This week, the Saints plan to interview Brian Flores, defensive coordinator for the Lions, Glenn Aaron Glenn and defensive coordinator for the Saints, Dennis Allen. So they're looking at three defensive guys for the head coaching job. But then last second, they say Doug Peterson is going to be interviewed at, or he was interviewed yesterday. So they interviewed Doug Peterson. And now they're trying to go defense for the rest of them. So it's still a little bit of glimmer of hope that a team's going to make the right decision and pick up Doug Peterson. He's the best available option, folks. I'm telling you, with any of these young quarterbacks, Doug Peterson instantly makes you play off contenders right off the rip. So Saints, we'll see what they do. But it kind of seems like they want to go defensive minded. Uh, You all know how we feel about that. All right, last thing quickly, last two things quickly. The Packers officially promote Adam Stenovich to offensive coordinator. Adam Stenovich was the Packers offensive line and running game coordinator. And once again, we know that Aaron Rodgers was kind of speaking with Packers management the last couple of days to make sure everybody's on the same page for the future of the organization. So them, the Packers making this call now. Is this what Aaron Aaron Rodgers wants or is this what he doesn't want? So we'll kind to know um, a little bit later what decision Aaron Rodgers makes. Does he stay? Does he go to the Broncos with Nathaniel Hackett? Does he just stay? What does he do? But, uh, you know, we'll look back and to see if he stays. This is what Aaron wants. If he probably leaves, he probably didn't want this. So we'll see what happens there. They do find a new offensive coordinator. And I'm sure, I'm sure, you know, Packers do want to keep him. So I do believe this is what Aaron Rodgers wants. But we'll see what his official decision is in the next coming weeks. All right, and then the last thing. Here we go. Touch on this quickly. We all know the Brady fiasco that's going on. Adam Schefter tweets out he's retiring. Everyone's like, no, he's not. And then, you know, we're in this purgatory of like, well, what actually is happening? So now the new narrative, we thought Tom Brady kind of wanted it to uh, wanted it to be an exclusive for the man in the arena, but now we're hearing that he wanted to do it during the Super Bowl because we get this right here, this rumor, Bucks and the Patriots, Tom Brady was planning to make retire, retirement announcement during the Super Bowl. Wow. This is coming from NBC Sports, folks, that he wanted to do it during the Super Bowl. Tom Brady wanted to take all the kind of clout away from Joe Burrow and make it all about him. Classic Tom Brady, yeah? So, Tom Brady wanted to make this giant spectacle of his retirement during the Super Bowl, and Adam Schefter said, nah, uh-uh, I'm taking it away from you. So, that's the latest on it. We still don't know what's true and what's false. We'll know when he officially announces it, and we'll see if he says anything about it. But that's where we are right now. Tom Brady wanted to do it during the Super Bowl. Biggest game of the year. Most eyes ever. He wanted the eyes on him. And he deserves it. We touched upon this when we broke it down the other day. But, uh, you know, during the Super Bowl, I mean, you're not in it anymore. You didn't get to the Super Bowl. It's not about you, Tom. We're in this new age. We get Matthew Stafford finally. Tom Brady knocking down Matthew Stafford in Matthew Stafford's only great season because he finally has a good team. Is Tom Brady threatened by Matthew Stafford? If Matthew Stafford was on a good, competent team his entire career, is Matthew Stafford the Tom Brady? And is Tom Brady even anybody if Matthew Stafford has Sean McVay his entire career? 
I think Tom Tom Brady's a little uh, worried about this new great Matthew Stafford. What if Matthew Stafford rattles off three straight Super Bowl wins? Does that make Matthew Stafford the greatest of all time? Uh, I think it would be interesting. I think it would be interesting. I think the debates would be very, very interesting, folks. And I think there's some points to be made in that argument. So it would be real interesting. So I think Tom Brady is try trying to steal... Matthew Stafford's shine, or does Tom Brady, does he fear Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow, second year, already getting to the Super Bowl? Oh, no. Oh, no. He may be able to beat me in kind of greatest of all time. Screw Patrick Mahomes now. The man can't get out of the AFC Championship game. So, I don't have to worry about that, but I got to worry about this young blood. This young blood, Joe Burrow, you see the swag on Joe Burrow? He gets two Super Bowls. Nobody's going to remember Tom Brady. So... Alrighty, Tom Brady trying to do some damage control. I don't love it. I don't like it. So, we'll see when he officially makes the decision, when he officially makes the call that he's retiring. We'll be here for it. But so far, we still don't know. We still don't know. Alrighty, those were all the stories I just wanted to quickly touch upon today. Uh, so now let's get down into it, folks. We had some NFL games on yesterday. Some absolute games yesterday. Holy moly, Championship Sunday truly did not disappoint, folks. So let's start with the AFC Championship game and start breaking them down. So here we go. Bengals at the Chiefs and the Bengals win. And they're going to the Super Bowl representing the AFC, folks. Bengals get the win 27-24. And they did it in the same exact fashion that they did it at home. Week 17, Chiefs got out to a great start. Touchdown first drive, touchdown second drive, touchdown third drive, three straight touchdowns. Week 17, it was four straight touchdowns. And the Bengals, they never freaking blunk, folks. Joe Ice in his veins, Burrow, Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow, folks, oh my goodness, welcome to the league, oh my goodness, and with all these kind of quarterbacks retiring, yeah, Tom Brady retire, we don't care anymore, we've got the new class, we've got the new generation, the new age of quarterbacks, Joe Burrow, man, comeback player of the year, and potential Super Bowl champion, all in in one year, truly transforming this Bengals organization overnight, something that Andy Dalton is still dreaming of, still dreaming of, he thought he could do it with the Bears and kind of, you know, be like, hey, it was the Bengals, no, Andy, it was you, you were holding this Bengals team back with some other players, AJ Green, your reason too, AJ Green, you're not getting off the hook for what you did to this Bengals team as well, you're to the Cardinals now and you can't make it work, Joe Burrow gets it done, yes, sir, woo, in the swaggy fashion, the man wanted all the smoke we saw him everybody was talking about his pre-game fashion and even us here on our pre-game show yesterday we love the swagginess of Joe Burrow I've got no problem the confidence absolutely you do have to back it up and that man backed it up and he's been backing it up all year long this Joe Burrow he is the real deal folks man oh man and now that 
the Chiefs lost. Patrick Mahomes not looking, you know, invincible. Like, you know, kind of we've been saying. And, you know, the national media was making... Patrick Mahomes out to be if Joe Burrow wins this Super Bowl I mean we're talking about Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and not one is greater than the other at this current moment if he can win the Super Bowl this season so I mean Patrick Mahomes don't fall asleep at the wheel kid because you got Joe Burrow coming up right behind you and we still got Justin Herbert I'm I'm sure Justin Herbert's getting to at least one one Super Bowl in his career so man oh man this AFC Tom Brady retire Aaron Rodgers please do us all a favor and retire if you're not gonna win the game if you're not gonna win the big game the NFC championship game like Joe Burrow already is doing then leave please we don't need great regular season quarterbacks. There's enough of those. I want champions. I want quarterbacks that can step it up, down 14 points, down 17 points, looking bleak, on the road, I want quarterbacks and can go out and win that game. Not Aaron Rodgers not able to win a home NFC Championship game coming off a 13-3 and record. I'm over that. I'm so over it. So, Tom Brady, retire. Aaron Rodgers, retire. We already got Big Ben out. We already got Drew Brees out. The quarterbacks in the NFL, we are fine, folks. The baton is officially handed off from old school to new school quarterbacks here in the league. And I am absolutely here absolutely all here for because of how well these quarterbacks are getting it done, folks. Joe Burrow not blinking in the face of adversity. This Bengals defense, folks. Chiefs looking to put up one more score, potentially four straight touchdowns or just a field goal right before the end of half. But the Chiefs, and this is, you know, this is a, let's get this play up here, folks. Because this is absolutely a huge play that truly is a huge turning point, And it speaks to the Chiefs and it speaks to the Bengals, folks. So let's get the play up. The play right before halftime. Five seconds left and who comes up to make the tackle? I mean, this single play, you could just watch this one single play and know everything you need to know for the last week and the future of the NFL based on this one play. Five seconds left left Chiefs up 21 to 10 five seconds left in the first half on the one yard line second and goal no timeouts for the Chiefs so let's start with the aspect of the Chiefs right here. You must get some points out of this drive. You're at the one. Yes, they want seven. They're trying to be aggressive here. And what happens? Let's roll the film. Patrick Mahomes gets the snap, tries to toss it to Tyreek Hill in the flat, but Eli Apple comes up big, knocks him down inbounds, and the five seconds are gone. No timeout, and that's the end of half. No points for this Chiefs team. Still only an 11-point lead heading into halftime. So this Chiefs team, I mean, being a little, you know, being a little aggressive here, going for the touchdown, I've got no problem with it, but I have a problem with the play call. What is up with this? It's like, if it's not in the end zone, this is a bad read by Patrick Mahomes. It didn't, there was nobody even trying to get open in the end zone. This was a design play to get Tyreek Hill out in the flat, probably by himself, and race to the corner. But the Bengals defense played it absolutely perfectly. Patrick Mahomes still threw threw this ball even though it wasn't open 
threw it behind, so he had to kind of corral it and kind of take some seconds um, to kind of secure the ball. The defense comes up, and they tackle him in bounds. No chance at a field goal opportunity. So the Chiefs get a little too cute here. Patrick Mahomes makes the wrong decision, and they miss out on points here, and they lost by three, folks, in overtime. That's your three points just right here. Um, so the Chiefs floundering in big-time situational football, and we've seen this you know, a couple of times. That's really the only knock on this Chiefs team overall is a little bit of game management, time management, situational football. Yes, they're great at it. We just saw it last week, 13 seconds, but the Chiefs, they're so, they rely so much on momentum, and once momentum is gone, the game is kind of over, and they lost all momentum right here, and they only put up three points for the rest of the half. Patrick Mahomes didn't look as on the money. Most of his throws were still good, but they were a little bit too much inside, a little bit too much outside. Not that perfect quarterback play that we usually see from Patrick Mahomes and that we, what we saw from on their three straight touchdown drives. They ride the wave, they ride the momentum, and they lost all the momentum right here on the one-yard line. Now, on the defensive angle here, folks, this is brilliant defense by this Bengals team. They didn't get fooled by anything. They had it absolutely locked down. There's two defenders on Tyreek Hill. They were not going to get fooled of Tyreek Hill uh, pre-snap motion and we're just going to leave them all the way wide open um, right on the left sideline right here. No, no, no. They had it covered. They had the play right there. This Bengals defense, folks, what have we been saying all year long? They're absolutely locked down, shut down in the red zone right here. So the Chiefs trying to beat this Bengals team in the red zone. Didn't it work? Did they scout that? Did they know this Bengals team locks up in the red zone? Did they think that they could outsmart the Bengals in the red zone. So whatever it was from the Chiefs, you can't get it done. You thought wrong. This Bengals defense is so gosh dang good. And they are locked down. Yes, they give up a big play here and there. But when it comes down to the red zone and it comes down to making that big play, that's where the Bengals defense truly shines. And then the third aspect of this play, it's Eli Apple making it. Eli Apple, who everybody's been clowning last week, folks, that we never agreed with. We think Eli Apple has always been solid. Yes, he gets burned here and there. Corners get burned, folks, even the great ones. And even if you are are great. Going back to, um, uh, who was it? It's not Richard Sherman. Uh, oh, man. Who's the other corner that had one good year with the Panthers? Uh, Norman. Josh Norman. Josh Norman had one fantastic year, and now that man is a little bit of a liability. We'll put it politely. The man's a little bit of a liability out there. So, yes, corners are great, but it's the hardest position in all of football. So, yes, some corners get burned here and there, but Eli Apple has been absolutely extraordinary in the playoffs. He's the one that forced the Ryan Tannehill third interception last week to seal the win. He brings down Tyreek Hill at the one-yard line. Do you know how hard it is to bring down Tyreek Hill? And do you know how, how much harder it is to do it on the one-yard line? And this man steps up, does not let... 
Tyreek Hill's great athleticism, speed, finesse, all of that does not let that beat him on the one-yard line. Comes up confidently, goes out and attacks Tyreek Hill here and brings him down in the field of play. So the time runs out, saves any points being put on the board right at the end of the half time at the end of the first half and gets it done. Shout out big time to Eli Apple folks. Stop falling for, you know, the social media narrative that Eli Apple's not good or is trash, okay? When you make the right play at the right time, I don't care what you did for the rest of the game. If you're getting it done in the biggest spots, hey, that's all that matters, right? We're here in the game. Get it done. Oh, you did? Fantastic. So, I don't want to hear any more knocks on Eli Apple, folks. Truly, the man has been really kind of consistent his entire career, and he makes big-time plays. Give me the big-time playmakers, and I'll be enjoying my rings while y'all have great players that can't get it done. You know, you, you'd have a Kirk Cousins. Go ahead. You have Kirk Cousins on your team, and uh, I'll, I'll check back in in 10 seasons to see how many rings you have and how many playoff wins you have. It's probably like one playoff win. Situational football, folks. <clears throat> Eli Apple does it fantastic. So, uh, and that that was really the end of the game right there because the Chiefs could not do anything for the remainder of the game. They got three more points for the rest of the game. Where did the three points come from? <clears throat> they had a game-tying field goal because that's what you know Patrick Mahomes and this Chiefs team does. They take the final drive, 15 plays, 49 yards, the final six minutes and four seconds. And once again, locking it up in the red zone. So let's talk about this because this was driving me absolutely crazy yesterday. I cannot believe y'all were saying this. And I may have to kind of investigate some tweets to see if they're still up because that's something you immediately delete um, as soon as you press it. Final minute. So let's set up the situation right here. Bengals, they kick a field goal on their last drive of the fourth quarter. And they go up by three points, 24-21. Bengals and then the Chiefs they go down they're eating up the final six minutes here and once they get inside the five right here first and goal from the five with the minute and 30 seconds left everybody was saying for the Bengals to let the Chiefs score. Let the Chiefs score? What the hell are you talking about? This Bengals defense locks up in the red zone. Yes, they give up plays. Yes, they just allowed the the Chiefs to drive four straight minutes. But they're still now in the red zone. They haven't given up any points yet. And you just want the, the Chiefs to score seven so Joe Burrow can go down and have the ball last in his hands? Why? This Bengals defense is why they're kind of winning games. Yes, Joe Burrow's great. I'm not taking anything away from Joe Burrow. But can we respect this Bengals? defense we just saw it at the end of the first half you're not trusting this Bengals defense in the red zone what are you talking about have y'all been watching the Bengals at all this season we've been saying this every single week this Bengals defense is the most underrated underappreciated disrespected defense in the league folks and you just want the Bengals defense to be like okay Patrick Mahomes here's seven points we just want the ball back what are you crazy you're absolutely crazy. And I don't want to say any names here, but they were high-profile names agreeing that the Bengals should be letting the Chiefs score with the minute and 30 seconds left. The Chiefs have not. They still have to get the field goal to tie the game. 
they are the ones. The Chiefs are the ones that uh, have to prove that they can score here. It's not the Bengals' job. Um, to uh to uh to win the game it's the chiefs job to win the game right now they're down they're they still have the choice of hey you know do we do we just kind of run out the clock and kick the field goal or do we go for the touchdown and that's where the chiefs kind of shot themselves in the foot they were kind of playing into the hey we're gonna get the touchdown here so let's just kind of run out the clock no urgency because we're gonna score the touchdown the chiefs got too cute with the minute and 30 left i think they had uh three all three or two of the timeouts there and the Bengals defense absolutely locks up and we'll definitely watch this on Wednesday we'll still have a Wednesday film study for these uh, two games and we'll watch the defense truly get it done but this is the final place for the Chiefs right here first and goal from the five yard line a minute and 30 left they go one yard run they're trying to eat off time on the clock folks they're trying to eat it all up then on second and goal from the four, what happens? Five-yard sack. Not uh-uh. Bengals defense locks up, folks. Sacking Patrick Mahomes. Now 39 seconds left. Third and goal from the nine. Another 17-yard sack. They almost, they almost made the Chiefs be out of field goal position because of the Bengals defense. And y'all wanted them to score? Y'all wanted to let them score? I could not. I, I was so angry when I saw that, folks. And I had a tweet. I was like, what are y'all talking about here? Let me see if I can bring it up. I want to see if they deleted it. They, if, they, if they deleted it, I would have no problem with that because they know uh, they made the mistake right here. Let me see if he deleted the tweet. Um, I, I have to go to tweets and replies, I think. Let me see. Let me see right here. Did he delete the tweet? You should have. Because even having this thought, you should be fired. You should be absolutely fired. And it seems like he deleted <laughs> deleted the tweet. Well done. Well done. Because having that thought is absolutely wild. Nick Wright. Nick Wright, Chiefs fan. Said the Bengals should just let the Chiefs score a touchdown with a minute 30 locks minute 30 seconds left and then Colin Coward quote tweets him like yes that's the right decision how absolutely wild is that folks just so Joe Burrow can have the ball last in his hands because we all saw what happened in Buffalo uh, Buffalo against the Chiefs last week disrespect to this Bengals defense folks absolutely big time disrespect there by saying that hated that so, Joe Burrow playing absolutely fantastic right here. And I just got one. Uh, there's two. Uh, yeah, let's go over these two plays quickly. Um, the big uh, field goal drive here to put them up three points tied. I believe 21-21 at this moment. And on third downs, there was two third downs where Joe Burrow decides to utilize his legs for the... First down pickup, and he gets it done, and these were absolutely clutch as heck. Let me see if I can find the first one. I got the 11-yard. I think there's a 7-yard. Dang, dang, dang. Where is where is it? Right here. Here we go. This is where Joe Burrow, why you want a tall quarterback, all of that, 
Tall, big body quarterback. Here it is. Tied 21-21 with um, uh, basically the start of the fourth quarter. It's third and seven at the Bengals' own 23-yard line. Joe Burrow facing pressure. Escapes the pressure. Almost got brought down, folks. And the Chiefs' defense lost them. Almost lost them the game last week, not being able to bring down Josh Allen. And now they couldn't bring down jo uh, Joe Burrow. And he evades the high step right there, races to the corner, picks up the first down on third and seven. This is the drive to go up three points. It chewed off six minutes here. Chiefs chewed off the last six minutes, but the Bengals chewed off the first six minutes here of the four, first quarter, and Joe Burrow picking up third and seven right there by his legs. Fantastic. And then he does it later in the drive. He does it again a little bit later on the drive, and this time for 11 yards on another third down. From their own 34-yard line, Joe Burrow steps up in the pocket, decides to go right up the middle here. Doesn't have to evade any pressure, but just sees the openness in the field and takes advantage of it. Picks up the first down, keeping the drive alive. That resulted into the three points right there, you know, to tie the game, to go into overtime. So shout out to Joe Burrow, ice in his veins, clutch, clutch, clutch. Escapability is there, and you know, why everybody was wanting, you know, just the Bengals to let the Chiefs score because, you know, the Chiefs fans, they don't know what defense is. The defense loses them the game, not being able to bring down Josh Allen. If you bring down Josh Allen last game, it doesn't, you don't need the final 13 seconds. You don't need to get the overtime coin toss to win the game. You bring down Joe Burrow right here. You don't need the overtime. And the Chiefs won the toss in overtime. So can we talk about that? Uh, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Where, where's the Chiefs fans now? Nobody's crying about, oh, both teams couldn't touch the ball, all that. Patrick Mahomes throwing the interception out of the drive. Can we be done uh, with the overtime rule changes? Defense steps up. If you have a good defense, it doesn't matter if you get the ball first. This Bengals defense, can we start respecting them a ton more, folks? They got it done in every high-pressure situation. One-yard line. Uh, end of the first quarter, getting it done. End of the uh, end of the uh, end of the fourth quarter. When you're only up three, and if you give up a touchdown, it's game over. What do they do? Lock up. Oh no! Chiefs get the balls to start overtime. What happens? Defense steps up. Well done, Bengals defense. Yes, sir. Jeez. Jeez, enough disrespect on this Bengals defense. Enough disrespect on Eli Apple. They're going to the Super Bowl. Give them respect. Damn. Damn. So absolutely fantastic here by the Bengals. Love it. All right, let's uh, break down some stats quickly here, and then we'll move on to the NFC Championship game. So here we go. Joe Burrow, fantastic. The man went 23 of 38. What do we got here? 60% completion percentage. Obviously could be a little bit better, but made the right plays when he needed to. And uh, this Bengals team, a complete team overall, offensively, defensively, both stepping up in high-pressure-filled situations, the biggest situations of the game, folks. I don't care about stats when you come up clutch in the big opportunities the big spots of these games well done Joe Burrow so 60% completion percentage 250 yards passing two touchdowns he did have the one interception interception came here at the start of the fourth quarter 
Um, but once again, the defense steps it up, allows the Chiefs to go absolutely nowhere, go three and out, and return the ball right back to Joe Burrow. And then off that interception, what does Joe Burrow do? He makes the two clutch runs on third downs, and he kicks a field goal to put him up three. So well done to Joe Burrow, shaking it off. Cool as a cucumber, Joe Burrow. Man, oh, man. Joe Burrow, folks. All right, running game. Joe Mixon, 21 rushes for 88 yards. Well done. Solid established running game all throughout. They still stuck with the run. Down 21 to 3. Still stuck with the run. No big deal. Never floundering, never wavering. I mean, there's just ice in the veins there by everybody of the Bengals. Head coach, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Eli Apple, the entire defense. Nobody, nobody got overwhelmed in this moment. And once again, Joe Burrow saying right before this game, can we stop the underdog mentality? Absolutely, kid. Absolutely. Stop it. Give this Bengals team the utmost respect because they truly deserve it, folks. Joe Burrow took off five times for 25 yards as well. All right, who was Joe Burrow slinging the ball to? We had T. Higgins, and that's what we were saying. Jamar Chase potentially is locked up here. It's going to rely on T. Higgins, and that's exactly what happened. Led the team in receiving yards. Six catches, 103 yards. Jamar Chase, six catches, 54 yards. Still got his tug. Yes, sir. Samaji P. Ryan, three catches for 43 yards and a touchdown. Took a, a screen to the house for 40 yards. You got to love it. And then Joe Mixon, three catches for 27 yards. Tyler Boyd, four catches for 19 yards. Man, oh, man. All right, now let's give some love to this uh, Bengals defense, shall we? Eli Apple, no official stats, no sacks, no tackle for losses, no touchdown. But that uh, the seven, the touchdown-saving tackle on Tyreek Hill at the end of the first half, that's your stat. That's your shout-out. Yes, sir. We get Sam Hubbard, two sacks, a tackle for loss. Trey Hendrickson, a sack and a half and a tackle for loss. B.J. Hill, half a sack, and the defense steps it up on the goal line in the red zone. Red zone dogs. Red zone dogs. Red zone dogs. All right, and then for the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes just coming up short here. Not good, not clean, not 100% fantastic like he usually is. Uh, you know, second half, locked up again. Locked up again. No answers for this Bengals team. Uh, Patrick Mahomes not being 100% on the money with his throws here. A little bit inaccurate here. Why accuracy matters. The accuracy was just a hair off by Patrick Mahomes on really all the throws in the second half. And they weren't able to be completed. And if you don't complete the passes, you're not putting up points. And the Chiefs only put up three points in the second half. So, Patrick Mahomes, once again, we have to reassess what he actually is. Is he good or is he just kind of shows flashiness that we all mistake for being good? Another flounder job here in the AFC Championship game. How unfortunate. But Patrick Mahomes goes 26 of 39. We get 66% completion percentage, 275 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions, unfortunately. First interception comes in the third quarter. The Bengals score seven points out of it. Well done. Taking advantage, making your opponent pay for the mistakes. What we preach all the time here on the show, the Bengals went and did that, and then they did it in overtime as well. The interception by Patrick Mahomes and the Bengals, easy peasy, get into field goal range and kick the game-winning walk-off field goal. 
All right, running game by the Chiefs. It was okay. Jarek McKinnon, 12 rushes for 65 yards. Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, 6 rushes for 36 yards. Patrick Mahomes, 3 rushes for 19 yards. And getting Miko Harmon into the action as well, 2 rushes for 18 yards. So, once again, the Chiefs, they were fantastic in the first half. Everything was working. But then the second half, the Bengals' defense found out how to stop it. And, man, oh, man, did they ever shut that down. Man, oh, man, this is going to be a great Super Bowl, folks. And now the, you know, you know, Matthew Stafford is going to have to kind of make sure that he's good um, at, at halftime and make sure that this Rams offense truly switches it up at halftime so the Bengals defense doesn't have, you know, the advantage, the leg up of, you know, shutting you down in the second half. So, and that's going to be tough because there's some things to talk about when we get to that Rams matchup here. I think I'm early, early leaning on the Bengals to win this game. Alrighty, and then who was Patrick Mahomes slinging the ball to uh, Travis Kelsey, 10 catches, 95 yards, a touchdown. Tyreek Hill, 7 catches, 78 yards, a touchdown. Miko Harmon, 3 catches, 52 yards, a touchdown. So going to, obviously, his playmakers, which make the Chiefs so gosh dang good. Jarek McKinnon, 3 catches, 30 yards. And Brian Pringle, 2 catches for 16 yards. So the Bengals get the win, folks. 27-24, Joe Burrow and this mother-loving defense of the Bengals. How absolutely fantastic. Um, alrighty, and then once again right here, Von Bell, the Bengals defense, smother Patrick Mahomes and company after the Chiefs' hot start in the AFC title game. And Von, Mel Von Bell says, quote, we never batted an eye, and absolutely they didn't. We saw that, folks. We saw that on the one-yard line right before halftime. They never batted an eye. The defense always knew they'd be fine, and they were fine, and they won the game. Never batted an eye. And now we get Tyron Matthew. He's fantastic. Any team would be lucky to have this man. And now they're really not sure if he's going to be bigger, uh, be back or not. Tyron Matthew says he's, quote, hoping to re-sign with the Chiefs, saying, quote, I don't have any control over that. So we'll see how all that plays out. We know Patrick Mahomes. We're starting to get into the contract, you know, hitting the salary cap. I think it goes to like $34 million against the salary cap next season. So, you know, the missing the window potentially here we you know talking about a Chiefs team being a dynasty well you know your your cap your money is going to be limited which means the talent is going to be limited which means Patrick Mahomes is truly going to have to start carrying the team by himself here so we'll see what happens it's going to be interesting for the Chiefs but when you go big on your quarterback everything else is going to suffer a little bit and we'll see how the Chiefs navigate that. We'll see how Andy Reid navigates that. And once again, is Patrick Mahomes actually good? We're going we're gonna to know it throughout the course of his career. So once again, reassessing Patrick Mahomes. We'll definitely take a deep dive look into that this upcoming offseason. So the Bengals get the win, and the Bengals are going to the Super Bowl. Wow. They get the win 27-24. Alrighty, and then the NFC Championship game from last night, and this one was just as good as the AFC Championship game. Both these games, absolutely fantastic. Walk-off fashion, right down to the wire, team leading, and then the team coming back from behind and winning the game. So the 49ers head into SoFi Stadium um, and face the Rams for the third time, but the third time is not the charm for the 49ers. The third time is truly the charm for the Rams getting the win 20-17. to So 
what to talk about in this game, folks. Well, uh, a lot to talk about. The first one to talk about, first thing to talk about really, is Jimmy Garoppolo, folks. Is this man the man not really performing that well? Debo Samuel truly, I mean... Debo Samuel probably truly should be the MVP here. So gosh dang good. Uh, seven rushes for 26 yards. He led the team in rushing. Four catches for 72 yards. Led the team in receiving. And Debo Samuel has really been the staple, the key focus here of this 49ers team. And now Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, ball in his hands to try to go win the game with the minute 46 seconds left, one timeout, and just pummeled. Pass incomplete. Then he goes and dumps it off three yard for a three-yard loss, and then he just flicks it, trying to throw away the ball so the clock does so the clock stops. So the so the clock stops, and so, uh, you know, um, he doesn't take a sack. That's what I was trying to look for. He doesn't take the sack right there, but then he flips it, and it's an interception off the running back's hands, uh, Jamichael Hasty off of his hands, and it uh, goes into the hands of the Rams defender, and that's the game right there. So what, what do we say heading into this game? If you did not expect Jimmy Garoppolo to make a mistake, you bet the 49ers, but if you see Jimmy Garoppolo making a mistake in this game, turning over the ball, betting on the Rams and what happened exactly that Jimmy Garoppolo blows the game because he's not trying to get sacked and honestly that entire last sequence is going to speak to Kyle Shanahan a little bit in this offense of the 49ers because it did not seem like a good uh, st- like a good drive starter. There was no kind of drive starter. You got a minute and 46 seconds, and all you had to do was get in the field goal range. Obviously, we all know that's plenty of time. You get uh, uh, Patrick Mahomes with 13 seconds, able to go down the length of the field for a field goal, and you're telling me you got a minute and 46 seconds at a timeout, and you can't do that? So there was no drive starter there by Kyle Shanahan. There was just nothing to kind of get a couple of yards, to get in the rhythm of, uh, you know, the hurry-up offense, the two-minute drill and all that, starting with the passing completion, just having kind of like two routes go out to the flats, and the Rams' defense covers it fantastic, and then the next play having all your receivers run out like 15 yards and then leaving one running back out of the backfield uh, for a minus three yard loss and now you're already behind the sticks on third down which forces Jimmy Garoppolo to kind of you know wait a little bit longer for the routes to develop for the Rams pressure to get there and then Jimmy Garoppolo never you know always you know has is prone to making the wrong decisions making mistakes when he's pressured and that's exactly what happened It's the pressure there by Aaron Donald and a little bit by uh, Von Miller pressured right up front. And uh, Jimmy Garoppolo tries to spin out of it and, you know, does a little bit too much, flicks it up, and it's tipped and it's an interception. So Kyle Shanahan, you know, now we have to kind of reassess him as a head coach. All these blown leads, 10-point lead in this game. We all know the Super Bowl 28-3 lead. That's Kyle Shanahan. We know in the Super Bowl up 20-10, to 10, uh, 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter, and he blows these leads. Once again, up 17. 17- with 13 minutes left in the fourth quarter, blowing the game here. So, you know, y'all can knock Jimmy Garoppolo all you want. 
you know, talk about how he's unclutching all that. But Kyle Shanahan, he's also a little unclutched too. That, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't with the Falcons. It was Matt Ryan. I understand Jimmy Garoppolo was in the Super Bowl. I, I get that, folks. And Jimmy Garoppolo's the quarterback here. But at the end of the day, when we look at the stats, they never really ran, ran the ball that much. He trusted Jimmy Garoppolo to throw the ball 30 times. Elijah Mitchell only running the ball 11 times here, not chewing out the clock. You know, when you've got the lead, not playing, you know, time management and all that. So now we have to reassess, is Kyle Shanahan good? Is he clutch? You know, where does he rank in kind of head coach categories? So this entire season has blown up so many kind of, I, I don't want to put them as like, um, like already kind of set in stone narratives of Andy Reid, such a great coach, and Patrick Mahomes is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and all that. I mean, we're truly the Bengals beating the Chiefs. Now we have to reassess all this, and you know, now we have to reassess Kyle Shanahan. And you know, do you move off of Jimmy Garoppolo? And I think you do. We've seen this by Jimmy Garoppolo. You know, when we look at his stats, you know, 16 of 30. I mean, we're talking about 50% here, folks. It's nothing that great overall. And then you know, when he's pressured. When he, you know, when all the kind of pressure is on his shoulders. And he's getting pressured right up front. You know, he's prone to make the wrong, real bad decision that loses the game and all that. So I do think you have to move off of Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, but uh, it's not because I like Trey Lance or believe Trey Lance is good. I think Trey Lance is very bad. I don't even see Trey Lance being good. Like, screw Trey Lance being great. I don't even think this man is going to be good. I don't even think Trey Lance can get you to the playoffs. Um, so now Kyle Shanahan's going to have to answer all that. And, you know, he's going to have to kind of, you know, reassess which quarterback he actually wants. Like Sean McVay did. I don't want Jared Goff. I want Matthew Stafford. And he went out and got him. So we'll see what Kyle Shanahan truly decides to do. Did he really want Trey Lance? Is Kyle Shanahan, you know, the main driving force be behind drafting Trey Lance and truly believes he can win a ring with them. So we're going to be truly focusing, you know, Kyle Shanahan 100% under the microscope. Can this man win the big game? We don't even know. So, you know, once again, why we do the show every single day, folks, just like that, scripts, narratives, everything can just be 100% topsy-turvy now because of one game, one play of football. Crazy. So, 49ers uh, come up short here, unfortunate. Uh, but the Rams, uh, they didn't play a flawless game. They didn't play a clean game here. I'm still a little concerned on this Rams team moving forward. And the biggest kind of glaring issue is let's watch the drop interception here by uh, Jaquiski uh, Tart. Misses a wide open interception. Here we go. Rams down three, 17 to 14 with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. This is, I believe, the first play of the drive, and it's a shot play. And we've seen this. How many times have we seen this this season? Matthew Stafford, Sean McVay taking a shot play that's not really open. What is this? And this is an easy interception, and he just kind of drops it. And does this kind of seal or change the entire course of the game? Yeah, potentially you're giving, you know, the 49ers the ball back when you're down three with 10 minutes left, able to kind of chew up some clock, you know, maybe score a field goal to make it, uh, you know, a touchdown game, or you get a touchdown and make it a two-possession game, who knows, or the Rams defense steps up and the Rams just have kind of less time to work offensively. 
So, everybody that's calling this, like, the big play of the game, yeah, to a degree, but is Jimmy Garoppolo still going to be able to clutch it up? Can Kyle Shanahan still kind of clutch it up at this point? You know, we, that's not for certain, and we all know why that's not for certain. So, and this is why it's a little, you know, I'm a little nervous for this Rams team going against this Bengals defense because Sean McVay, yes, he's a great coach, and I love him as a coach, uh, coach, whatever it means to be a head coach, but play calling, we, how many times do we see Sean McVay on the sideline kind of tap his chest, be like, oh, that's on me, that play call's on me. So when he got down 10 points, Sean McVay started to kind of, you know, work, be out of his element and kind of, you know, call plays that, you know, we're just trying to be like trickery or a big shot play to get it all back quickly and that's not how you play football we hear that all the time you can't get it all back in one play stick to the course the Bengals being down 21-3 I mean could you imagine if you know Sean McVay gets down 21-3 in a championship game or the Super Bowl this could be real big bad potential for them so real early on I think I'm loving the Bengals to win the Super Bowl obviously we've got two weeks to talk about and discuss and break down and all that, but Sean McVay kind of worrying me a little bit on his play calling and what happens in real tight situations. Um, so this play right here, Matthew Stafford takes it. It's not open. We've seen it before against the 49ers trying to hit OBJ. That's a no-go. You've got the set, uh, safety right in the middle of the field the entire time. You don't throw this ball, but he still does throw the ball. So I'm sure Sean McVay was like, "You throw. I want you to throw this. You need to throw this. You're throwing the ball. So uh, that's our knock on Sean McVay. But now for the greatness of Sean McVay. What we love about Sean McVay, folks, is that he's a player's coach. And what do we say all the time? Are they really going to make us freaking sign out and sign back in just so I can watch this one? I, I got it on Twitter, so I guess I'll just go to my Twitter account to bring up the video. But here it is, folks. Sean McVay right on the sideline. This is after the interception. The game's over right now. Sean McVay on the sideline. And um, 40 seconds left. They need one more kneel down before Sean McVay heads onto the field. Matthew Stafford kneels the ball. Sean McVay instantly runs to uh, Matthew Stafford on the field to give him his praise. All of that. We know the head coach, quarterback connection, it needs to be solid, folks. And we're we've been using Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford as an example right from the offseason. Because as soon as Matthew Stafford got there, Sean McVay was always gushing, uplifting, Matthew Stafford as a great talent, so great and all this, and that speaks to confidence and allows your quarterback to have confidence and play free out there, where... You know, when we're looking at Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo, there was never any praise from Jimmy Garoppolo. There's a little praise, you know, from last week, all that. But, you know, leading by example, showing praise through your actions, all that. We never got that from Kyle Shanahan. We got the words from Kyle Shanahan, but we don't get the kind of actions like we do of Sean McVay running onto the field. as The game's not even over. The game is over because the clock is running out, but there still is 20 second, 26 seconds still left on the clock. And Sean McVay instantly running over to Matt. Matthew Stafford. Matthew Stafford's not done celebrating with his own team yet. And Sean McVay is there. Yes, sir. Hugging him. I'm, I told you you can do it. I knew you could do it. I, I fucking love you, Matthew Stafford. Marry me right now, Matthew. I love you. Um, so, once again, offensive-minded coach. The quarterback connection with the coach, so solid, folks. And we say it should be so solid that's, that it's annoying. That's how it should be. So, Jimmy Garoppolo, certain... 
uncertain future with the 49ers, not having, you know, the kind of full support behind them, not having that kind of trust, uh, not, you know, uh, I don't know what Kyle Shanahan was trying to do on those final play calls, all of that, but what happened, you know, what would anything be different if Jimmy Garoppolo had a little bit more boost, more support. Did Kyle Shanahan go over to Jimmy Garoppolo on the bench and be like, hey, when it's grim, be the grim reaper? Like we heard from Andy Reid last week for the Chiefs down with only 13 seconds left, goes over to Patrick Mahomes. Hey, if it's grim, be the grim reaper. Do we get any of that by Kyle Shanahan or is it all just words after the fact like we got last week? It was after the fact. Kyle Shanahan saying, hey, we wouldn't be here without Jimmy Garoppolo and all that. It's always after the fact. Sean McFay does it before the fact, during the fact, after the fact, and then repeats the process the next week, and then repeats, repeats the process next week, and then repeats the process next week, and then repeats the process during this week, and then repeats the process after the week as well. So this is what we're saying, folks. We see it all the time. We'll always talk about it when we see it. We'll always highlight it when we see it. And here it is, Sean McVay just loving on Matthew Stafford because he believes in him. He knows they're the guy. He knows they work well together, Be, uh, boosting up that confidence and all that. And then we get this right after the game, the press conference. Once again, Sean McVay for 30 straight seconds praising Matthew Stafford, saying he elevates everybody around him. He elevates me as a coach. Once again, the humbleness at the head coaching position. You must have that. Sean McVay saying, yeah, he even makes me better as a coach. What coach is admitting that? You think Kyle Shanahan is ever saying Jimmy Garoppolo makes me a better coach? Of, of course not, folks. He would never utter those words in his entire life. So Sean McVay still giving him praise in um, after the fact at the press conference and then at the podium for the um, presentation of the NFC Championship trophy, shouting out Matthew Stafford right off the rip, right off the bat. Loving, supporting, we're all in this together. Giving credit to where credit is due. Sean McVay is the best coach in that standard. We still have the knock though with play calling. That's where you know we don't love Sean McVay a hundred percent. A little too cute for his own good. Tries to get it back all in one play. Uh, crunch time situations, not the best. So that's you know we're not all praise on Sean McVay. I still love the dude, but for the play calling aspect, still a little up in the air on him. But for what you but for what you need to be at a as a leader at the head coaching position, he checks all the boxes, and here they are in their second Super Bowl with another quarterback. You gotta respect it. Alrighty, so let's quickly um, round out these stats here, and then we will get out of here for today. So here we go. Jimmy Garoppolo goes 16 of 30, uh, uh, officially over 50%, so you get a little credit there, but still 53%, nothing that great. 232 yards, just coming short of 250. We had the prop bet on our pregame show, all quarterbacks over 250 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo is the only one that didn't, and what do we say? We were worried about Jimmy Garoppolo being the one that doesn't do it. 232. And he actually lost three yards. He was at 235 at the start of that last drive. And he lost three yards. How do you do that? Come on. Come on, Jimmy. Gee, Jesus. Uh, so he doesn't get it done there. 232 yards. It is still pretty respectable. But it's all the kind of Debo Samuel. Uh, two touchdowns, one pick. The pick cost him. 
The running game, Debo Samuel, seven rushes for 26 yards. Elijah Mitchell only ran the ball 11 times for 20 yards, so not established run game here by the 49ers. And then who was Jimmy Garoppolo slinging the ball to? We had Debo Samuel, leading receiver, four catches, 72 yards, a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk, four catches, 69 yards. Elijah Mitchell, three catches, 50 yards. George Kittle, two catches, 27 yards, and a touchdown. And then for Matthew Stafford, here we go. We got 31 of 45 completions, 68%, baby. Yes, sir. Showing what Matthew Stafford could do with a competent team and a smart head coach. Matthew Stafford truly working his way up into kind of, uh, you know, uh, working his way up into this kind of OG uh, quarterback class of Big Ben and Rodgers and Bra- Breeze and uh, Manning and Brady working his way up because he was at the bottom of the list there because not winning any rings or being competitive in any meaningful games. But here we go, folks. Matthew Stafford making his uh, making his case. Got to love it. So 68% completion percentage, 337 yards, two touchdowns, one pick. Cam Akers ran the ball 13 times for 48 yards. Once again, the big believability into your players. Sean McVay could have easily not ran Cam Akers at all this game because he fumbled twice last week and almost cost him the game against the Bucs. But he sticks with it. Leading rusher, Cam Akers, 13 rushes for 48 yards. Sony Michelle, 10 rushes for only 16 yards. And Matthew Stafford even took off five times for eight yards. All right, and then Matthew Stafford slinging the ball. We got Cooper Cup, 11 receptions for 142 yards and a touchdown. OBJ, what a performance. Nine catches for 113 yards. And then shout out to Tight End University. Yes, sir. Kendall Blanton, who Tyler Higbee got injured, you know, real early in the game. So Kendall Blanton fills in for him. Five targets, five catches, 57 yards. Big catches in the biggest spots. You got to respect. Tight end University showing out here in the in the championship games. Tyler Higby, two catches, 18 yards. He got a little injured, unfortunately. And then Von Jefferson, only two catches for nine yards. So the Rams get the win, 20 to 17. Sean McVay, fantastic. Matthew Stafford, fantastic. And now we get uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Probably shouldn't be here anymore, but we'll see what happens, and we'll see what Kyle Shanahan decides to do for the future of the 49ers. Um, and then we get this, and why Jimmy Garoppolo is probably gone here. We get the general manager, John Lynch, hugging Jimmy Garoppolo before he heads into the locker room here. Probably a goodbye hug. And then Jimmy Garoppolo says this. Jimmy Garoppolo on his 49ers tenure possibly coming to an end saying, quote, it hit pretty hard in the locker room. It's one of those things that you have to think about the good things and just smile. We'll see what happens in the coming weeks. But I love this team. I love those guys. So once again, Jimmy Garoppolo always having this in his mind is this going to be my last game is this going to be my last throw having this the entire season because he never had the back ability by his head coach or the fans or anything like this why you have to treat the quarterbacks good and now I'm not saying it played into you know him losing but it potentially played into Jimmy Garoppolo kind of letting the pressure get to him a little bit too much so gotta be the great leader at the head coaching position and why we love Sean McVay so much so the Rams get the win 20 to 17 and the Rams are heading to the Super Bowl folks. Alrighty, that is going to do it for us today. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening and thanks for watching. We are back live tomorrow around noon Eastern folks. 
talk and everything that comes up. And, uh, you know, we've got two weeks to talk about the Super Bowl. So we will take our time. We will, we will do our due diligence. We will comb through everything so we all can hit the final big bet of the year. Who wins the Super Bowl? So we're back all this week. We're all back next week talking it through seeing what's going to happen and uh, seeing if Sean McVay's play calling is going to be kind of, you know, the, the death of them in the Super Bowl. Alrighty, folks, we're out of here. Have an absolutely great one. You can make a little bit of money in the NBA tonight. Take advantage, and uh, we will see you tomorrow, folks.